This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. I'm Pastor Stormy, and I graduated with all... No, I'm just kidding. We better not go there. I welcome all of you. Thank you for coming to that, this today just to celebrate them. Great achievement. If you're a guest, we welcome you. If you're watching by live stream, we're glad you're here. If you need a Bible, raise your hand, and our usher's going to get you the Word of God. Once you get a Bible, go with me to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18. I'm, I'm going to tell you, you want to take notes today. You're, you're getting ready to get blessed and touched by the Lord here. I believe it'll minister to all our hearts. So as you're turning to Matthew 18... You know, when we come up here, or even in your life, performance draws attention to myself, where ministry draws attention to God. And I believe that God's to get all the glory for all we all do, but great callings require great responsibilities. And with great responsibilities, you got to have in-depth character and integrity. And those things don't happen all, o- overnight. Those, those are our process in the making. So we're going to start here in, in Matthew 18. And I, I believe just in Matthew 18, you're going to get a good idea of where we're going today. So you'll notice when we get here, these are red letter words. This is Jesus talking. Matthew 18, verse 7. Woe. Woe. That word woe has the meaning of judgment and sometimes misery. Woe. To the world because of offenses. Now, you may ask yourself, what's, what's an offense? That, that literally means an enticement to sin. Now, none of us are exempt from this. And how do we know we're not exempt? Well, look at the last part of verse 7. He says, for offenses must come. Not maybe, but they must come. Troubles and obstacles to your faith are inevitable. It's going to happen. I don't care who you are. Same chapter, verse 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Now, he asked the Lord this question and then he says, up to seven times. Now, when Peter makes this comment, I I think he's really being really generous or he thinks, you know what? I'm going to impress Jesus with seven times. But if you'll notice in verse 22, Jesus' response just blows Peter out of the water and he says this, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. So Jesus here, he's not being legalistic. He's not giving us some mathematical formula. You know what he's telling us? To walk in forgiveness, it's limitless. It's part of your life that you might as well make that. That's your structure of my life. Now, when I read stuff like this, I think, Jesus, you've got to be kidding me. But he's not. And sometimes when I look at the word of God, I think, Man, God's word is annoyingly accurate. Anybody ever thought about that? I'm like, wow. But he wouldn't tell us something to do unless he would grace us to do it that way. So just recapping this real briefly, 
We gotta deal with offenses. And you gotta deal with forgiveness in your life. And if I don't deal with these things, they'll knock me off my call. They'll keep me from fulfilling the call that God has for my life. Now, go back into the Old Testament. There in the beginning of Genesis, or the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 37. When we go here to Genesis 37, I'm going to be in this story the rest of this morning. But there's a lot in here, and we're going to go through a bunch of Scripture. So where we head with this, this passage of Scripture, is a guy named Joseph. And before I get to Joseph, let me back up just a little bit. There's many things in the Bible that the Lord says are his, but there's two things that really stand out. The tithe is the Lord's and vengeance is the Lord's. The, the word vengeance has the meaning of revenge. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 12, he said, vengeance is the Lord's. So even on those lines, he's telling us, don't avenge yourself. He's telling us here, don't be obsessed with taking revenge. Don't be caught up in keeping score. So in saying that, I would venture to say every one of us in here, at one time or another in our life, we've either thought it or we've said this. If it's the last thing I do, I'll get even with them. Have any of you ever thought or said that? Now, don't raise your hands because I know it's unanimous. See, we all have that, that choice. So we go back here to Genesis chapter 37, and it's the story about one of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. The 12 sons are where the 12 tribes of Israel come out of, which is still in existence to this day. Now, this guy named Jacob, not only did he have 12 sons, but he, he had crazy dysfunction in his life. And, and I highlight that because none of us in here come from a perfect family. Now, you may think right now, I got some crazy dysfunction in my family. But listen to this guy named Jacob. He's got 12 sons. He's got two wives and two maidservants. Those four are what make up all his children. His two wives are sisters. How many would you like to be buried to your wife and her sister? That's some weird stuff, man. And his two wives, one's name is Leah, she's ugly, and the one name's Rachel, she's cute. <laughs> so you, you begin to see, man, it, this guy, he, he's got some dysfunction in his family. Now we begin this with his, his 11th son named Joseph. Joseph was Jacob's favorite. Genesis 37, verse 5. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So when you see a dream, oftentimes a dream is a vehicle of prophecy, but the word dream in the Hebrew actually means to, burn, uh, to, to bind firmly. So Joseph had a dream, 
But better stated, it could be more accurately said the dream had Joseph. Now, just because I have a dream doesn't mean it's going to happen overnight. And so it says he had this dream and his brothers hated him more. Why? Because they knew he was daddy's boy. He was daddy's favorite. Verse 6. So he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed your sheaves stood all around and they bowed down to my sheaf. Now just think about this and read into this just a little bit. How do you think his 10 older brothers thought and reacted to that? So you little brother think we are going to bow to you. Is that what you think? And he goes on to say in verse 8, And his brother said to him, Shall indeed you reign over us, or shall indeed have dominion, or you dominate us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Huh. Now, part of the problem here is he has these dreams when he's 17 years old, but he makes a 17-year-old mistake. And you know what that is? He thinks he's to broadcast and to brag about his dream. Inside broadcast and, bra and, and to brag is a thing called pride. Anytime I have to tell other people my titles and my calling, it's borderlining on pride. And when you operate in pride, life has a way of humbling you. Now, let me give you a definition of pride. Pride is to lie to yourself about yourself. Huh. Verse 9. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers. And he said, look. I have dreamed another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed down to me. Now, the dream was very similar to the first one, except this time, he says, not only are you, my brother's going to bow to me, mom and dad are going to bow to me. Everybody's going to bow to me. And so literally what this does with the older brothers, not only are they jealous of him, this stirs up hatred within them, and the hatred stirred up rage within them. So his brothers have this brilliant idea one day. Let's kill him. I told you this, this family is, is dysfunctional with a capital D. Let's kill him. And then that doesn't sound so good, so one of them convinces them Let's just throw him in a pit in a few days so we can figure out what we do with him. After a few days after that, a, a band of Ishmaelites are on their way to Egypt. And so they said, hey, let's make a few bucks off a of little Joseph. Let's sell him. So they sell Joseph to these Ishmaelites. Now, you may be here today and you may say, I've got family drama. But I don't know that anybody's got family drama like this. So where I'm going with this this morning is, have you ever been betrayed by family? Have you ever been messed over by family? Have you ever been done wrong by family? And maybe you answer every one of those yes. 
but it doesn't stop the dream. It doesn't stop the call. And so this is what Joseph is experiencing right now in his life. So let's go on a little journey with Joseph. And I'm going to have to cram 13 chapters into about 15 minutes, okay? So turn with me to chapter 39. If you want to see some of the dysfunction, just read chapter 38. I'm, I'm telling you. It'll blow you away, chapter 38. But we go to chapter 39, verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. Now he goes from being daddy's boy to a slave, to wondering if he'll ever see his father or his brother's ever again and maybe he doesn't ever want to see his brothers again I don't know verse 2 then the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man and he was in the house of his master the Egyptian now when you begin to look at this right here Joseph's like a sponge when you fill a sponge with water and you apply a pressure to that sponge it's going to ooze out so when life began to put pressure against Joseph, he was so full of God, it came out of him. Now, I want to highlight something that the Bible says. It says, the Lord was with Joseph. He's a slave. And it says, he was a successful man, even as a slave. You know what it shows? I, I don't care what on the, the, the road of life you're on. And God will use you right there where you're at. God will be with you. God will even mark you with success. But I believe what this reveals here, he had to keep his heart right. He couldn't have harbored unforgiveness or bitterness and God been able to do those things with him. Here's your, here's your verse you got to write down, Matthew 5, 44. Bless those who curse you, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. I used to hate that verse. I tell God, I hate that verse. I don't want to do that, Father God. I, I don't want to bless those who curse me. I don't want to pray for those who spitefully use me and persecute me. But when the Lord Jesus tells us that, that's Matthew 5, 44, he does that because he wants to bless us. He doesn't want bitterness to start taking root. Verse 3. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. I believe he saw his work ethic and his character. And the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. Now think about this. He's a slave in Egypt. But the Lord is blessing his life so much that his master realizes it. His master sees. Verse 4. So Joseph found favor in the sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had he put under his authority. So God is moving in Joseph's life. Do you see these words? Successful, favor, overseer, authority. But he's not walking in his dream or his call yet, but God will still move you. So what's going on? I believe God's developing character in him. So Joseph is thinking, woo, everything's looking up. Look at me. 
But Joseph's got a problem. He's handsome. The Bible said he's strikingly handsome. So this guy named Potiphar, his boss, he's got a wife. Potiphar's wife starts making eyes for Joseph. Potiphar's wife's a cougar. Some of you say, what's a cougar? Ask someone younger and they'll tell you. She's a cougar. And she says to Joseph, come lie with me. But Joseph's got some kingdom integrity and character and he says this. He said, I won't sin against God. He didn't say, I won't sin against Potiphar. I won't sin against another. He said, I won't sin against God. He realizes this in his life. God sees everything I do. God's watching everything I do. You're talking about a character guy, man. I'm, he's moving. So what ultimately happens? He gets falsely accused of rape. So he's on, he had detour when his brother sold him to the Ishmaelites. Now he's on another detour. He gets sent to prison. And while he's in prison, he's now 28 years old. This is 11-year detour. And he gets sent to prison and he becomes like me and you often. And he said, God, do you not see what's going on? God, have you forgotten me? And so he's in prison. And he runs across two guys, a butler and a baker. And, and they're dejected. He said, boys, why are you so upset? And they said, we've got these dreams, but we don't have anybody who can interpret. And he said, God's graced me with the gift of interpretation. Do you know whatever gift me and you have, it's a gift from God? Don't ever forget that. Your talents and your gifts are from God. You're not that special. So he said, I can, dream. I, I can interpret your dreams. So one of the dreams is good, the one's bad. He tells the butler, you're going to live. Everything's going to be restored to you. He tells the, the baker, he said, pal, you're going to die in a couple of days. You know what happens? Just what he said. So he goes to the butler and says, listen, when you go before the king, don't forget me. Don't forget me. Tell him all about me. And so Joseph's looking at the butler at his get out of free car, his get out of jail free car. I'm going to get out. From the time he reveals that to the butler, two more years pass. He's now 30. His life has been detoured for 13 years. God, do you not see? God sees, guys, okay? God sees. The, the issue that happens with us a, a lot of times is it's not on our time frame. And God doesn't intervene the way we think he should. And so in this time of his life, it would have been very easy for him to throw a pity party. It would have been very easy for him to walk around with a victim mentality. But he doesn't. So the guy named the Pharaoh, who's equivalent to the king or the president, he's got a dream. But no one can interpret the dream. So the old butler says to him one day, he said, hey, king, I remember this Hebrew boy in prison. 
He interpreted my dream. Maybe he can interpret yours. So they bring Joseph out of the pit. And he interprets the dream. And he tells the Pharaoh, he said, there's going to be 14 years. Seven years of abundance, seven years of famine. And so the Pharaoh says, I'm going to promote Joseph. So listen, listen real close to this. Just in a snap of fingers, just in one day, he goes from the pit to the palace. He, he goes from rags to riches. His life takes a complete change in one day. I believe God still does those things. The problem is we don't know when that day's coming. But you know what? He never quit. He never gave up on the dream. So turn with me to, to chapter 41. I got to be careful with my Bible here. Many pages try to come out. Chapter 41, verse 50. Now listen real close to the words. And to Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine. So they've gone through seven years of plenty. Now, right before the famine starts happening, he has two sons. His two sons are born to his wife, who is an Egyptian woman, but I believe she's gotten born again. I, I believe when I study this that she becomes a child of God because over and over she takes the ideals of, of Joseph. She begins to look like, hey, he serves the real God. So he's got these two boys. Now listen to what happens here in verse 51. And Joseph called the first one Manasseh. What does that mean? For Manasseh, for God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. Now he names him a Hebrew name. So it shows me here that Joseph never forgot his Hebrew roots. He never forgot that he was a child of God. And you can never forget, I'm a child of God. But he says here, God made me forget all the toil in all my father's house. The word toil means hardship and pain. God made me forget. What does that mean? Did God just take an eraser and erase his mind? No. The apostle Paul talks about in Philippians 3.13. He said, one thing I do, I forget my past. Now when he said, I forget my past, it's not that he doesn't remember it anymore, but it no longer controls him. What does that mean? God had to pull that sting out of him. Where he didn't go around day by day and saying, if it's the last thing I'm going to do, I'm, I'm going to get even with those ten brothers. And I'm sure going to get even with that cougar. I'm going to get her. No, it didn't control him no more. Verse 52. Now I'm going to come back to this in just a second. And the name of the second he called Ephraim. For God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. In the very place of my life where I've experienced affliction or grief, God has caused me. God has caused me to be fruitful. Anybody in here want to be fruitful? 
I want to be fruitful. And so his choice of name showed his loyalty to God. Now listen real close to me right here. You got to get this. The order of the names is very significant. You don't get to Ephraim to fruitful until you've birthed the Manasseh. You know what that means? I can't hold on to unforgiveness. I can't hold on to bitterness and think that I'm going to be fruitful. I'll never get to fruitful. You'll never get to fruitful unless God births a Manasseh in you first. And to birth a Manasseh in you, it's a choice that says, okay, Father God, I come before you. I, I need you today to birth a Manasseh in me. I need something to happen on the inside of me because every one of us in here want to walk in fruitfulness, but the fruitfulness is my dream and my calling, but I never get there. It's short-circuited as long as I hold on to uh, uh, unforgiveness. Dang, Pastor, you're preaching good. I, I, I really thought you guys would be hooting and hollering on that one. Write that down, guys. I'm, I'm telling you, it is important. It's important you see this. So life goes on. They go through the 14 years and all the famine. And every nation around Egypt is in famine. Everything's dying. But because of Joseph's wisdom, they've got an abundance. So what happens is everybody in the surrounding area, they're all going to Egypt. I got to get to Egypt to get food or we die. So Joseph's brothers, they show up into Egypt. The problem is, Joseph knows who they are, but they don't know who Joseph is. For all they know, Joseph's been worm food for about 20 years. Turn with me, chapter 45, verse 4. So Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near to me. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. I don't know this for a fact, but I wondered if them 10 brothers didn't wet themselves right there. It's interesting to me that he acknowledged, you sold me into slavery into Egypt. He didn't deny it. He didn't act like it didn't happen. But look what he goes on to say, and I think this helps us. But now, do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourself because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. So the 22-year period is brought into focus. Now think about what he's just said. If he wouldn't birth Manasseh, he would have never acted this way. He had, uh, he had forgiveness in his heart because if he would have had uh, vengeance in his heart, he would have said, I, I, I've been waiting for you, you 10 knuckleheads. I, paybacks are not good. 
He could have looked at him and said, today, boys, the stuff hits the fan. But he doesn't. See what I look and see through what he's done here. He kept his heart right. He did not harbor unforgiveness. And God hadn't forgotten him. God hadn't forgotten you. He didn't overlook him. He hadn't overlooked you. Again, he may not intervene in your life like you think he will. And he may not show up on your time. But he's still going to show up. He's still got plans. They do, not sh they do not short circuit that call or that dream, okay? Unless you allow it. Go to chapter 50. The last chapter of the, the book of Genesis. And so what's going on here in chapter 50? Their dad, Jacob, dies. Jacob's gone. Verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps, maybe, Joseph will hate us and he may actually or fully repay us for all the evil which we did to him. Oh, they're, they're freaking out. Payback, grudge, vengeance, the fear of retribution. Daddy's gone now. Joseph's getting ready to go crazy on us. Not good. Same chapter, verse 20. But as for you, you meant evil against me. This is what he says to him. You meant evil. You, you meant harm. You wanted to hurt me. But look how he deals with it. But God, whoo, say but God, but God, but God meant it for good in order to bring about us this day to save many people's lives. So Joseph's re, his response here, it reflects his maturity and his insight. And to be able to perceive the hand of God here, it's a long period of unfair suffering. But he chose to forgive them. See, I think about this right now. We're not saying you may not have been wrongly hurt. I'm not, I'm not saying any of that. You may have bitter experiences. You, you may have been messed over. But those don't have to be your identity. And, and they sure don't have to be the divining factors of your life. And, and they don't have the final say of your life. Let me give you a destiny statement. To step and to walk into your call, you're going to have to give birth to a Manasseh. You're going to have to. Whether it's family members, whether it's other people. Have you ever been mad at God? I've been mad at God. 
but something happens when I just forgive. And, and remember, we go back to Matthew 18, verse 7. The Lord Jesus said, offenses are going to come. So the question isn't if offenses are going to come. The question is, what do I do with offenses when they do come? And so when you look at the story of Joseph, and he becomes a hero in my life because I look and I think, man, he, he endured incredible hurt and pain. But yet he wouldn't let it define or shape his life. See, is your heart out of alignment today? You need to come back into alignment? Would you stand up here with me? Sometimes I know when we have these altar calls, you may have the thought, I, I, don't, I don't like you, Pastor, getting into my business. Well, I'm not getting into your business. The Lord Jesus is. I'm just the messenger boy. But God would not, he would not move within us or convict within us if I got unforgiveness and bitterness in my life without having a reason. You know what the reason is? He wants you to be fruitful. But I don't get to fruitful unless I deal with that. You know, through the, through the years of my life, I, I've seen people in these services that become incredible heroes to me. I had a lady years ago who started coming to church. I said to her, how'd you find out about us? And that's back when they had the yellow pages. You know, they don't do the yellow pages anymore. She said, the Lord said, go there. They'll love you. She showed up and kept coming, kept coming. One day she told me her story. She was junior high. She's walking down the street to her house. She notices police cars and ambulances at her house. She walks up and her brother's on the door or the front porch. She said, what's going on? And he said, dad killed mom today. And then blew his head off. She was sent to live with an uncle. He began to sexually abuse her day after day. She was sent with another one. Same thing happened. She married the first man that came along because she thought he loved her. When he didn't, he lusted her. He beats her, abuses her. She goes through three marriages, the same thing. Her view of men is they only use me, they only beat me, they're all sorry. And I get where she can have that impression. but something happened one day with me. She said, I just began to forgive and I forgave and I forgave. She said, God's healed my heart. 
she would always amaze me when she moved away and broke my heart and she would send me Christmas cards and just like this I, I would just I would weep and think only someone like that could make it through the help of God it's the only way maybe I just defined you right now God hadn't forgot you God has callings and dreams still, okay? I don't care who you are. But just maybe, perhaps, you need God to ask, to ask God today to birth a Manasseh in you. Father God, I, I, I need a Manasseh in me. I have hate, I have anger, I have bitterness. Again, just like Joseph, he didn't deny that all that happened. He never denied it. But he just knew it couldn't be the controlling factor of my life. Don't you bow your head right there where you're at and close your eyes. Just maybe today you've been betrayed. You've been messed over. You've been done wrong. I tell you something, Jesus wants to heal you today. Jesus wants to touch your, your heart today. And so if that's you, I, I'm going to just boldly to say, and I welcome you to come down here and ask Jesus to grace you to birth that Manasseh in you. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to come down here and out of an expression of faith, not are we going to come down here and ask Jesus to do that. We're going to ask Jesus to help us. We're going to leave it here at this altar today. We're going to say no more. No more. I don't do that to shame you. I do that because Jesus is wanting to do something here this morning. So our team's going to play. I, I welcome you to come down here. And, and as one's come down here, I'm, I'm going to ask one of our prayer team. Come on. This, this is a big time. We're here to encourage. We're here to say God's got your back. Go ahead, guys. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.